brought more soldiers than you did. Welcome back. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to the Sunday Wire, to the special live New Year's Day uh, broadcast here on the Alternate Current Radio Network and also at 21stCenturyWire.com. Thank you, everyone, who joining us this week. And big hello and big shout out again uh, to the very active and boisterous and rambunctious uh, ACR chat room there at AlternateCurrentRadio.com. Hello, everybody there. And uh, also, I want to say thank you very much uh, once again uh, to everybody. We had a few people hit the shop and buy T-shirts around Christmas, and I'm wearing mine right now, this uh, beautiful charcoal gray soft cotton 21st century T-shirt. Really cool, really comfortable, and a great way to uh, get the word out. And uh, it's just it's a nice-looking shirt. (laughs) But uh, thanks, everyone, who ordered those. Uh, We had a couple people go for the coffee mugs as well. So we have a few little bits and pieces here and we love sending them out to you it helps support us as well we really appreciate your support and to all our new members this week thank you uh so much uh, i think we had last week a couple of people uh subscribe uh to 21st century Wire, and I, I sent out uh, some notes and uh welcome packs uh to a couple of charter members as well and uh, we really appreciate your support thank you again uh thank you very much we hope you like uh, the package we sent and uh, we hope that if anybody out there wants to uh, also get on board and help us, uh, please do so. And we really appreciate it. Uh, your support has allowed us to do things this year that we could not do last year. Uh, quite simply, uh, it's gotten us on a major AM radio platform in this region of the United States. Uh, it has gotten us to the Middle East. It has helped to bring Vanessa Bealy on the ground in Syria to do live reporting, something that even mainstream uh, outlets uh, haven't been doing, uh, especially in Aleppo in the last couple of weeks and the last month. And that's all really been because of your support uh, on, on, on the appeals and also subscribers too. And uh, also helping us with our video production as well. And you've seen a few of uh, Vanessa's videos uh, from Syria that we posted in the last couple of weeks that are just um, really stunning. And so we thank you very much for, for your help and for helping to make that happen. We want to make more happen in 2017, and we will need your help and support to do that and also to support this show and other shows uh, on 21st Century Wire. Thank you again, and uh, we salute you uh, looking back uh, this last year and looking forward to this year. Thank you so much. Now, uh, our next guest uh, is an author. Uh, he's written a few books, most notably uh, the book entitled The Truth Agenda. There's a link to his website uh, on our show page right now. Uh, and he's also one of the uh, uh, founders of the Glastonbury Symposium, which is an annual event which I spoke at this past year, which is uh, one of the best organized, uh, I would say, alternative symposiums uh, out there. This takes place in the U.K. every July. Uh, but his name is Andy Thomas. And Andy's somebody that I really wanted to get on to open the new year. 
and I said before the break, when we uh, introduced him uh, before the break, I told you he was also his kind of a historian as well. Maybe uh, not in in the uh, traditional academic sense, but maybe more in the, the sort of the 21st century mindset that we need to uh, navigate uh, this kind of amazing matrix uh, that everyone is struggling to keep track of uh, right now. And so welcome Andy Thomas to the Sunday Wire. Hello there. Very nice to be here. Yeah, Andy. And, uh, you know, there's a lot of people who look at specific uh, events and who really spend their whole life really studying one conspiracy or another, whether, you know, there's 9-11 researchers, there's JFK researchers. But when you're looking at the totality of the amount of stuff, when I was compiling the 2016 top 10 conspiracy list, it's, it's, it's a lot of work just looking at one or two of these events, let alone uh, dozens of them. And I think you're one of the few people that's looking at this in its totality, not just the conspiracies, but how, you know, this whole concept of conspiracy, this whole concept of um, these anomalies, these events, people are juggling all these things, trying to make sense of them. You're one of the people I think that has tried to pull, pull it together uh, from, from far back, you know, from JFK all the way forward past 9-11 to the present day. And you, you tried to pull a lot of these things together to try to make sense of them and in some historical context. And uh, I just, first of all, just introduce yourself to our, our listeners and let us know how you, you know, got into this field of study and, uh, you know, what your unique sort of approach is uh, to this sort of material. Well, I mean, I came into this very much from the angle originally of looking at stuff like UFOs and crop circles, all stuff that gets regularly ridiculed even today. Um, And what occurred to me was, okay, I couldn't say 100% what was going on, but it was very clear very early on to me that certainly what was going out there in the mainstream was not the truth and to see so blatantly things that i knew and my other colleagues i was working with knew very well were not true of course very soon leads you on to look at other things so in that kind of world i started to meet other people who were studying the truth of things in general uh, and what you would call truth seeking conspiracy whatever you want to call that world um and what i thought was fascinating was the repeating patterns that you find uh, in all kinds of different subjects and of course so before i knew it i was getting drawn into the 9-11 truth world and looking at the you know many of the areas that you've just discussed and i mean you mentioned history there and sure yeah i'm very fascinated by history and it's when you look back and i mean you know some of the the books that are written especially also my book conspiracies i look back at the history of conspiracy theory and what you realize is that what we're dealing with today is not new there are repeating patterns they keep coming back and things that are denied are very obviously revealed to be true very often albeit over a period of time so by looking at the stuff that's going on today although as you intimated at the beginning there's so much of it it's almost overwhelming if you can sort of match each one to the kind of pattern that it falls into you then are able to get a a sort of a better grasp on the totality 
of what's going on. So that's what I try to do as much as possible in my writings uh, and in my lectures is to give people a kind of a meta-analysis of all of this to show them where the links are and where the repeating themes are and therefore what the likelihood is that a lot of the stuff that, you know, is being dismissed probably will turn out to have validity, which, of course, a lot of listeners here will know already. And there's a lot of you, you probably hear this. I, I know you do hear this, uh, and more and more so every year. This kind of uh, idea that there's some sort of a watershed point or some kind of awakening point. And the title of today's show is Event Horizon. And the reason I chose that title is because uh, th- there is. A, I, I think that that time has actually arrived, um, and it's something that a lot of people have been anticipating for a number of years recently, but this event horizon where, uh, what do they call it, the, the hundredth monkey or whatever, where it, it's, it's switching on for so many people. And we saw this, especially in, in, through U.S. politics, but you also have had uh, some major events in Britain that have also kind of exposed this kind of um, the old paradigm, I guess. And, you know, internationally, I think Syria is definitely very important in terms of exposing this kind of paradigm that has just allowed, has been shrouded for so long. But is, is 2017, is, do, do you feel, or I'm sure you speak to a lot of people about this, but is there, is there a sense of an event horizon with this year? Uh, well, I think the, without any question, we are in a process, but I don't think that process is going to complete anytime soon. Uh, and I mean, what we're dealing with with 2017, to some degrees, is the consolidation of what we started in 2016, and yet it's only the beginning. So to give two examples, Donald Trump is not yet president. Within a few weeks, he will be, and then we'll start to see the reality of that over here in Britain, of course, the whole Brexit vote. Uh, mm-hmm. It's interesting because many people, they, they're speaking about the Brexit vote as if Brexit has happened. We yeah. haven't even started. <laughs> We've not even started yet. So, exactly. you know, we are going to see, I would imagine, the beginning of some kind of invocation of the mythical Article 50. But even when that starts, uh, I do think there's going to be a lot of wrangling and it's going to go on for a long, long time. Uh, and so, therefore, I think what we're going to see is more of an unveiling veiling of what the reality of all this kind of thing is going to be but i do not think that we're in the end game i literally we're still at the beginning of many of these things as for things like syria i mean of course that's been such an ongoing situation um and again i, I although we can clearly see now there are developments out there it looks like Assad, with the help of Russia, is bringing it to some kind of head. But whether that's the beginning of the end, I don't know. It's another chapter. So I don't know. I think 2017 is going to bring a lot of very interesting and very challenging stuff. But I don't think it's going to be an end point in itself. But in terms of critical mass, yeah, I think we're definitely on the road to that. And certainly the extraordinary amounts of information that are going around uh, now, well, that is something which is almost overwhelming. But I think that's why anybody that's able to give some sense of context and shape to that, for those that are just utterly bewildered by it, I think they'll be very helpful in these times. And, uh, you know, I try as much as I can to try to do that in my own small way. And, you know, people who read mainstream publications or, you know, get their sort of worldview from, you know, the Sunday Times uh, or, you know, the Washington Post or, you know, the BBC's um, uh, Today morning program and in america we have the equivalents on cnn and then 
then you have people who have been basically hoovering up information uh, on the internet for the last 15 years. So you have this complete split in society. Um, people are very happy with consensus reality as it comes from mainstream media and establishment political uh, voices and so forth. Then you have this other part of the population that's been taking in this masses of information which you just described. And it uh, and I think right now there's kind of a convergence point because I'm meeting a lot of, um, m- say, mainstream people that are still in shock uh, from Brexit and from the Trump uh, effect as well. And so they're looking at the Internet in horror because they've ne- never really taken a good look at it. They've been happy to get their news from the Huffington Post uh, and all the sort of safe news sources. And now all these realities like, oh, my gosh, they've been lying to us about Syria. And it's caused a lot of um, an upheaval of sorts for many people. And th- there is a lot of crazy information on the Internet. Uh, there's a lot of fake information on the Internet. There's a lot of real stuff on the Internet. There's a lot of everything, quite frankly. And is th- what is the challenge here? Uh, because People like yourself, maybe like myself, like a lot of listeners to this show, they're used to basically being in the, uh, the, the, the primordial soup that is the Internet, where there's a lot of people that only look at certain things, and, and they're, they're quite frankly horrified that we're living in parallel universes. Um, sure. where, where's the challenge here? Because this, this is, to me, a big, a big thing, that, a split that's been identified uh, this last year. Sure. I mean, before I came on to the show today, I mean, you said to think of sort of three areas, three conspiracy areas that, you know, might be worth bringing up today. And I mean, one of them that I certainly think is a crucial turning point is the whole shock horror thing about fake news. So suddenly for the first time, you know, the the mainstream has latched on to the fact that there is fake news. But of course, and here's the big danger, that is being used. And one of my predictions for the forthcoming year and beyond, it's going to be used even more as a way to shut down what we might call alternative inquiry. Now, I know that that word alternative, of course, you know, we have to use it as a shorthand sometimes, but as you've just intimated yourself, actually, increasingly, it's the mainstream media that is alternative, because a lot of people are beginning to get their information not from those sources not from the bbc not from cnn um and therefore you've got this kind of strange two world situation where you know people like ourselves where you know we we might keep an ear out for what is being said in the mainstream but we're, we're less inclined to believe that than other sources i know that can bring problems on both sides but equally you've got a lot of people for whom they've never once questioned what they've heard on the today show or on the bbc news and if you can show them even one area whereby it's absolutely clear they've been lied to that is very disorientating so -hmm. it then brings them into awareness of what has hitherto been called alternative and it's very shocking to them And, and i think for some people it's too much and I think that's the danger we always have in the truth-seeking world. If we hit people with too much too soon, what I have seen sometimes is people recoil and they just say, I can't go there. And so they just stop looking. So what I try to do as much as possible is, is gently bring them into this sort of middle area of saying, OK, well, it's quite clear, isn't it, that certain areas you've been told about this or that 
are clearly not true. So you might just want to consider, you know, looking a little bit more down this route. If you throw the doors open and you throw them into the abyss of, you know, suddenly uh, basically saying that everything I've ever believed is wrong, that's a very frightening thing for a lot of people. And yet, and yet, this is what these times are bringing up. And certainly with the Brexit thing, with the election of Trump and all of that, which I hate to put in one sentence, but everybody is, what it is doing is saying, well, hang on a minute, it, everything that we were all expected to do doesn't seem to be working like that anymore. And I suppose one good thing of that is that what's happening is people are therefore beginning to think, well, maybe it is okay to look outside of the box. And yet, what we're being told, and then again, this was another area I was going to bring up anyway, by the, especially, I have to say, the BBC is, well, that's kind of an aberration, and that's populism. Populism is a terrible thing, isn't it? All these people voting for what they want, not for what we thought they'd vote for. And dangerous. It's been very dangerous. And it's been portrayed as, a, as something which is wrong, whereas the reality is it's just illustrating that maybe for once people are getting up and saying, well, you know what, I'm going to go for what I want here, not for what I'm being told I should have. And whether you think their decision is right or wrong is another matter, but I think it is the beginning of something which I suspect, and from what I'm hearing in the mainstream, they would love to shut down very quickly because the the criticism, the, the ridicule, especially from comedians, never mind politicians or newsreaders of people who have done this I think is very much a brainwash uh, and I've been very unhappy with the way that the so-called populists, if you did vote a certain way, uh, are now being portrayed uh, and I feel very uncomfortable with that at the moment Well, this, this um, you just I'll touch on that that ridicule point I mean, this this has really happened if you look at, especially if you look at mainstream comedy in America, we've got Saturday Night Live and uh, there's the uh, the Daily Politics show with uh, Trevor Noah and some of these popular, supposedly popular programs. But actually, when you look at the numbers, there's not they, their audiences aren't that big. And it, this is the same sort of phenomenon I think you had with with the Hillary Clinton is going to win by a landslide and the Remain vote is going to win by a landslide. That there's this what they call I guess the filter bubble that they're living in. And the you know the walls are closing in closer and closer. The audiences are getting smaller and smaller. The big budgets are there. The advertisers are, are going with the big networks, but they don't really have the audiences maybe that they even had twenty years ago. Uh, and so the you know what they're putting out as consensus reality is really not penetrating the majority of people. And so they're, they're talking to themselves more and more. And I think the same with this ridicule thing that you pointed out. Um, they're really just kind of in their own room talking to each other. I mean, I'm not exaggerating. I think it is almost like that, Andy. Um, you know, they're talking amongst themselves um, about the, uh, the barbarian hordes that they perceive uh, outside of their own uh, uh, clubhouse, as it were. Yeah, yeah, I totally agree with that. I mean, it, it certainly, if you take Brexit, so I'll level with the listeners here. Now, I do think Brexit needs to occur, not necessarily for the reasons that some people want, but I think, you know, the EU is heading towards a totalitarian-type state, which isn't what anybody signed up for. And I think until it gets sorted out and we rethink that, I think that we have to stand aside from it. However, I recognise there are pros and cons on both sides, and I don't think it's clear-cut. 
But what I have really noticed, especially since the vote, and especially, you know, the BBC, I'm just using as an example, but they are the main mouthpiece for a lot of people for whom that's the only news service they'll ever listen to. It's amazing how quickly a lot of very genuine concerns that I picked up from talking to people at lectures all over the country, for instance, and one of the big reasons that I heard from a lot of people that they felt they should vote for Brexit is the lack of democracy in the EU. Now, we've got problems here in Britain. You know, we need huge reform. But that was the primary concern. Uh, I don't hear that anywhere now on the media. The stereotyping of anybody that voted for Brexit as being a racist or somebody essentially capable of murder, as we saw (laughs) with the Joe Cox thing, is appalling. Uh, and I absolutely think the way that uh, it is now being just corralled into, as you say, you are a barbarian if you voted for that, is, I think, extremely concerning. Uh, and you're absolutely right. It's a sure sign that all these people are just talking in their own bubble. There's a media bubble. There's a Westminster bubble. But certainly what we're seeing at the moment is they're presenting the majority of the population over here in Britain who did vote for Brexit, they're actually, what they're saying is, well, they're all stupid. They've all been misled. They're dumb. And they're saying the same thing about those that voted for Trump. Now, I have my own concerns about Trump, but I had a lot of concerns about Hillary Clinton as well. But I accept that this is what the US, as far as we can see, fairly voted for. Okay, Uh, shall we say Russian interference put aside for one moment, if that's even true. The fact is, this is the way the vote went. But all I'm hearing, and especially from comedians who seem to think that they're now the arbiters of our consciousness, bizarrely... um, Basically, they're taking the mickey out of the majority of the population and saying that they have some divine wisdom, that everyone else is stupid, but they are not because they're comedians. And personally, I've stopped laughing a lot of comedy because it's not actually comedy anymore. It's just condescension. So this is something that I think is of great concern. And what it's doing, of course, is, I think, trying to build up some kind of, if not reversal of these things, certainly a way to try to sort of bring it back to where they think it should be some kind of watering down of the effect of things that for some reason the, these mainstream mouthpieces seem to feel very threatened by and and, and uh in terms of the intellectual elite um the, the, they've tried something very uh subtle here <laughs> the oxford uh, dictionary i think uh rated its uh most used or new term for for the last year uh, this is the new term called post truth i'm sure you're familiar with this yes. and so this was too much fanfare this this in itself andy is a kind of a psyop because that that term post truth really came to prominence in britain uh in the immediate aftermath of the of the brexit vote and it was almost like it's a kind of a, uh, an elitist derogatory term uh to be applied to the, uh, the 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 masses, the unwashed, the great unwashed <laughs> Brexiters, um, yes. and and it's it in itself in you know implying that these people you know who voted for Brexit or voted for Trump are living in a post-truth world, when in fact you could just as easily uh, apply that term to uh, the mainstream media, to mainstream politicians uh, who themselves are constantly. Um, you know, trying to hold together this post-truth bubble uh, that they're floating around in as well. 
so the very subtle term use of language there, Andy, which I find sure. very interesting. Well, I mean, listen, in the truth-seeking world, we've all known we've been living in a post-truth world for forever, basically. Um, That shouldn't be a shock to us. Again, yeah, the fact that this label is now sort of coming out and is being used left, right, and center is almost as if we're supposed to be shocked by this. What they mean is a post-truth world as in their kind of truth, the truth they want us to be seeing. Um, we have a journal here in Britain called Private Eye that many people will be aware of. And in fact, um, they ran an interesting little column in their most recent issue pointing out that actually that phrase post-truth was getting used a good 10, 12 years ago. So even that, we're saying, oh, this is new post-truth. Actually, that was a phrase that was getting used a good while back. So, you know, we know it's post-truth anyway, even the very app application of the term is just yet another bit of spin um if you think that you know we've been getting truth up until trump and brexit well you know <laughs> come on you've got to wake exactly. up guys. i mean we know so this is all in itself a ridiculous distraction so yeah we know we're living in a post-truth world but here's the thing again you look back at history and i would certainly advise people to go and read up on the roman empire and the roman republic it's never been a truthful world it's always been post-truth so the word post doesn't mean anything here nor does truth um those people who who are in power always spin things to their advantage. They misrepresent things. This should be no shock to any listeners here. But the shock is that we're sort of being sold this idea that this is a revelation. Well, it isn't. And that's why we're all having to do shows like the show you're doing now, put out books and lectures to try to sort of share this idea around that wake up everybody. You know, what is being said here has no context of any great meaning at the moment. So it, it's kind of depressing from that point of view. And what I really hope for 2017 is people will suddenly wake up to this whole idea that actually all of this is a sideshow. And, you know, whether you agree with Brexit or not, whether you think Trump's good or not, the fact is always hoping for one big event to come and put everything right it's never going to work because that's just not the way the world works so we all need to wake up to this and start learning discernment start learning that there is a truth out there somewhere but it takes a little bit of work and you're not going to get it through one conduit Mm. so so that word so that's interesting so the the term post-truth this is kind of like a sister term really to fake news they're, they're, or, or they're, they're kind of Siamese twins in a way, right? The, yeah. These two terms. They, they're sort of doing, they're performing the same function, basically. Um, yeah. Well, I mean, it's, always, it's utterly subjective, isn't it? Fake news. Well, it depends whose news you think is fake. I mean, you know, you can watch uh, ITN and consider, oh, for that's fake news. It, it's so subjective. And what is frightening there is the suggestion they're now making that, okay, maybe there should be some panel of all the mainstream media that now decide what the real news is and anything that doesn't fit that will be removed from social media this is extremely concerning uh and you know we're going to say that these guys are the arbiters of truth really you know yeah i mean the, the the fact of the matter is and i've said this a few times uh recently but uh you know if if the uh so-called you know media or mainstream media have been doing their job and uh, actually doing real journalism there would be no need for an alternative uh press or an alternative media because we'd be glued to their uh, platforms. 
reading their reports, their investigations, uh, with great enthusiasm, actually. And, and this not to say, Andy, that there aren't good uh, journalists in the mainstream who have done uh, quality work. There have sure. There's been sure. many, many yep. great reports, many great investigations, but there's still this gaping hole with a lot of the big issues. And I think that vacuum that's created from the omission of any real serious reporting and so many big issues, that vacuum's been filled uh, by the alternative uh, independent uh, press, and which exists mostly on the Internet uh, right now. Um, so it, th- this is a product. What we do here, what you do and what so many others do, uh, is a product really of a, a, a vacuum um, left by the mainstream. Uh, not doing maybe the work that I think people want to be done. And so this is why we exist. Uh, this is why we do what we do, and this is why we perform the service that we perform uh, for that reason and that reason only. At least that's that, that's why I'm doing it, and I think you and many others as well. Um, but we, we are a creation of that um, shortcoming, if you will, uh, of, of which yes. the mainstream well, I suppose. I mean, that's what I mean by saying, you know, if we're always looking for the truth in one source, we're probably not going to find it. You are quite right. There is some mainstream journalist uh, or journalism that sometimes hits the spot and you go, yes. But the trouble is, it often seems to exist in isolation. It, it doesn't necessarily join up with what's being said elsewhere. We have to try to find a way uh, of discerning. And in the, for want of a better word, the conspiracy world, there's some great stuff some great conspiracy journalism there's also stuff which i don't believe is founded in fact it's possibility we have to always try to keep it in balance somewhere in the middle there is something that we could pretty much call the truth but i think because we do live in an age where there is so much information plus i mean you clearly have got fake news being disseminated and you know we should never forget um that of course president obama not long after he was elected, sat down with people like the the arch-skeptic Cass Sunstein and said, how how do we deal with all this conspiracy stuff? And one of the suggestions that was made, cognitive dissonance and all that, was to seed fake news. Because by doing that, it it, it muddied the waters, it would become impossible to know what the truth was, and it would then soften the impact uh, of any genuine revelation that came out from a truth-seeker camp. So this was discussed, and it does look as if that is something that was implemented, and it's a problem. And that's why we all need to, I think, think very carefully before we spread stuff on social media. Just consider, you know, is there a bigger picture here? Am I just by sharing this link in itself is that me being misled and being fooled and it's not always easy to know and so you know maybe maybe that's a real post-truth is that we have to accept we will not know the truth unless we were a direct witness to something so what we have to talk about is probability and as many good references cross-referencing you know what i mean when you then start to see something coming together from all different angles that's when you can be more sure okay there's something worth discussing here but yeah i mean these are times of 
great cloudiness. It's very, very difficult to know where anything's going to go. And yet, you can see in the fact that people are trying to break away from old things, there's a thirst. And that's not just for people like ourselves. There's a thirst with everyone to just break free of this and kind of sort of get to something more authentic. And that's the good news of what happened in 2016. That, you know, even though it's now being portrayed as negative in many areas, nonetheless, the fact that people did say, no, I want something different, uh, you know, I'm going to actually take a chance here. That is a good thing. And, and I think we could capitalize on that. And this is now certainly a good opportunity to share alternative, inverted commas stuff, perhaps more widely than it has been before, because I think people are beginning to become a little bit more open to it, which is, of course, also why the mainstream's trying to close it down by saying, well, that's all fake news. So we're in a battle here. And this is, I think, uh, only the beginning or another beginning. We're going to have a long way to go on that, but we do need to fight that battle. Otherwise, before we know it, we're going to find our voices are very restricted and withheld from the mainstream. Yeah, no, I, I think I think the whole uh, the term fake news, I, uh, among other things that it does or that's intended to do, I think it's also to rob people of their of their agency, of their um, sovereign their personal sovereignty or their individual agency as a as an individual. Um, that term is is an attempt to rob people of that by categorizing even the motivation that they might have to click on something to read it or to share it. Because oftentimes, you know, people will share stuff, not because they believe what they're sharing, but they're sort of, hey, you know, it's, it goes back to when your kid's on the schoolyard. Hey, take a look at this, you know, passing yeah. around the private eye magazine or whatever. Um, it, that's all it is. A lot of it's born out of curiosity. This is a human nature issue. It's not a political thing. It's strictly human nature. So, you know, I'm, I, I don't, I'm not for a censorship even – for fake news, I think the spam, if, if you call it spam, that's a different story. And there is stuff that you could generally um, uh, categorize. And most of the fake news websites that everyone was up in arms about from the Macedonian-owned uh, pro-Trump sites uh, that flooded Facebook during the U.S. elections, a lot of those were full of malware and spam advertising. So they would, they, they're not there to deliver information or news. They're there to get internet ad revenue. So they, yeah, yeah. they should be rightly classed as spam and not fake news. I, I don't think fake news is a, is a genuine term actually. And, but, it, but it, what they are doing is trying to rob people of the ability, um, from the, from the source, you know, from the root, um, to, to look and to share and to have sort of plurality of um, news views and opinions uh, yeah, no, yeah i really yeah i agree with i do agree with you there and yeah i mean what they're calling fake news is not fake news it's clickbait yeah, uh, uh, yeah. you know and, and there is a, a big difference there i mean there's something else of course that links into that that was another area that i thought was as to some degrees passed us by without enough of a fuss and that and again, I've got to talk about Britain, but this could easily spread around the Western world, is the passing of the Investigatory Powers Act just in the last month or so, which basically has given our government every power of mass surveillance they've ever wanted. And it passed through Parliament with barely a squeak. It got minimal coverage. It got some coverage, but this is huge. 
it, it basically we have signed away our rights for any privacy it opens up huge questions about the watering down of encryption just in terms of data protection it's going to make people a lot more vulnerable to hacking and therefore blackmail but it is also saying we are now you know very much in the world that has been uh, feared for a long time where anything we do is potentially open to uh, the eyes of shall we say the government and beyond now Okay, the likes of us on shows like this, that's not going to be a shock. We always kind of assume mass surveillance was going on anyway. But what is frightening is that that has been legitimized with barely anybody blinking. And, and I think because there's been so much going on with Trump and all the rest of it, it's very easy to fill the headlines with that and not actually talk about the huge thing that's just gone on. I mean, it is being widely described as the most draconian act that has been passed in any Western democracy. And if Britain is the mother of democracy, as we're often described, well, this is coming to a country near you soon too. It's a very dark thing. Uh, and, I mean, again... The EU, there's a good and a bad side to it. The European Court of Justice has just said, no, you can't do it. They're trying to block it. Now, once we're out of the EU, however far down the line that is, I suppose Britain will just stick two fingers up and say, well, we're going to do it anyway. We need more noise about this. The fact that even in the conspiracy world, I've really not seen that much about it, a little, but not as much as it should have been, it is of great concern. This is Orwell coming, or his nightmares coming to life, I'm afraid to say, and we, we really need to be much more aware of it. Yeah, I, me- I remember uh, days gone by, you know, maybe uh, 20 years ago in, in Britain, uh, when I used to see the, the House of Lords uh, regularly knocking back these sorts of pieces of legislation, but the, the you know the House of Lords has pretty much been uh, neutered um, and you know defanged. I think in the last ten years, to the point where a lot of this distorted draconian legislation that you're talking about uh, just seems to be, you know goes right down the tracks without any resistance. Um, so yeah, I think the only thing left now is people need to realize uh, and understand um, what an infringement on their rights it really is, and uh, that this this is not really something for the 21st century. It seems to me like it's very regressive. Um, maybe this would have done well in East Germany, <laughs> so, so oh, it's yeah. Stasi sort of thing. But uh, you know, we're talking about you know we're progressive societies, you know, look forward-looking progressive societies. So is this what progress is? And uh, and that might sound like a fundamental, basic question, but actually, you need to ask those questions uh, when you're faced with these sort of things. But um, th- so that's one thing. Looking ahead, Andy, uh, in 2017, is there anything else? Uh, before we break, uh, that you're looking ahead at uh, for 2017 and beyond, any trends, uh, predictions that you think are noteworthy uh, that people should be keeping an eye on? Well, I mean, to some degrees, we've sort of covered it here. I mean, I think expect the unexpected is always a good way of looking at it. I think... I mean, in terms of looking at where what we've been talking about will go, I think the Investigatory Powers Act, I think there will be some amendments because there are some people making a fuss, but they won't be enough. I don't think they will get rid of it as much as it should be. Um, I do think we are going to see this whole fake news thing get a lot bigger, and I think you're going to see, you know, the kind of material that we think should be shared openly. I think it's just going to start vanishing. They might not even announce that they're doing it, but I think you're going 
going to see a lot less links being passed around social media, uh, and we do need to point that out and show very loudly. Uh, and uh, yeah, I mean, then you've also got the absolute unknown path of Brexit. And I mean, I suspect what's going to happen because I know a lot of people are saying they're not going to do it; they're going to find a way not to do it. My prediction would be, I think. If they were to not act on it at all, I think you're going to wind up riots on the streets here and the economy would collapse overnight because nobody would have any confidence in this whatsoever. Uh, I think they will push ahead with it, but I think they will water it down as much as they possibly can. Uh, and it's certainly worth looking at some of the backers of the people who are, who've been running this court case that say it's got to go through Parliament because it's being portrayed that the kind of individuals, Gene and Miller, and the indiv- well, they're pretty much working for the city of london and i think it's really worth looking at who's sponsoring the blocks that are being put into place and obviously well fine if you're anti-brexit anyway then you'd probably be very happy with that but we need to be real about where these people are coming from and who they're representing uh, and i certainly think that you know we've barely started the saga of brexit and i think there's going to be a lot of shocks a lot of setbacks and a lot of arguing before we see the true color of where that's going to go yeah and we uh, we actually said in our predictions at 21st century and in the the, the the big shuffle today the article entitled the big shuffle he said no brexit for britain and uh and said by the time the, the penny drops nigel farage will be far away probably have his own tv show on fox news uh running out <laughs> of new york city hey that's my prediction for 2017 where's Very good Farage, uh, he'll be well out of the way uh, by that time. So uh, we have a picture of him sipping a pint of Guinness or ale or something like that. But I yeah, expect so. Yeah, that'll be interesting, Andy. That'll be interesting. So, uh, uh, but yeah, I think people like yourself and and other people that are say more skeptically minded generally um, will be vindicated uh, and more and more so as we move forward this year. So expect the unexpected. And sometimes that unexpected isn't, um, what some people were, uh, were hoping for, but yet it's just a question of being more real. So gosh, we're, we're, we're more reality based, uh, I think than a lot of people, uh, will give us credit for. Um, so good, healthy, a healthy dose of skepticism, Andy, is always a good thing. Um, yeah. Look, looking ahead in 2017. So, but uh, when say thank you very much, and just before you go, we've got a link to your uh, website, um, the Truth Agenda, on the show page right now. But uh, just tell us about your books, the books that you do have out in print, and uh, any other, uh, also your event as well um, uh, this coming year. Yeah, sure. Well, if anybody wants to read my thoughts and all of this kind of thing, I mean, the books that I'm very well known for uh, is The the Truth Agenda, as you mentioned, and also Conspiracies. They're they're available around the world in various editions. Uh, If you go onto my website, truthagenda.org, I mean, you can find out everything about that kind of stuff. And there is also a link to uh, the Glastonbury Symposium. So if you're looking for somewhere to be at the end of July uh, and you want a lot of truth and all kinds of interesting mixes of subjects yeah look up the glastonbury symposium as well yeah that that that, i recommend that event uh highly um you know as people come from all over the world to attend that event and uh, glastonbury itself has just done an amazing job um the town the city um it's it's they really it's it's turned it into a a beautiful place um so it's definitely uh a a great destination in the summertime and that's a great event it's a three-day event 
and it's right downtown in Glastonbury with speakers from all over the world. And it's always fascinating and you meet amazing people there. Uh, so it's a great, great event. So, um, you can catch Andy there, uh, in the summertime as well. But Andy Thomas, thank you so much for joining us on this New Year's Day. And, uh, we appreciate your work and, uh, your time and uh, wishing you all the best for 2017. And you, it's been a pleasure. Thank you. There he goes, ladies and gentlemen. That's Andy Thomas, author of The Truth Agenda. Uh, we're going to take a short commercial break, and we'll be right back after these messages to connect our next guest, also from the UK, uh, Mr. Ian R. Crane. We'll be right back after these messages. I'm your host, Patrick Henningsen. This is the Sunday Wire. Stay right there. Extra roll up, roll up, get your fake news. New York Times, Washington Post, LA Times, get your fake news. Roll up, roll up, fake news here, fake news here, fake news everywhere. We got Time Magazine, copies of Time Magazine, lots of fake news, lots of fake news, fresh, fresh off the press, fresh news, fake fresh news, here, there, and everywhere. Everybody, wait a minute, they're on TV, but if they were in print, we'd have them here on the fake news stand. Get your fake news, roll up, roll up, fake news here. 